Hello, and welcome to Board Games or Board Games, a podcast where my husband tries to keep my attention long enough to play board games, and then I make him record podcasts about it. I'm Nina, and I'm not a gamer. I'm Philip, and I guess I am. (laughs) So Philip has been trying to get me into board games, or getting me into board games for uh, the last 12 years or so. Um, And I basically have the attention span of a goldfish. So the instruction books and the cards and all the coins and all of that stuff have always been very intimidating to me. Um, My brain just immediately shuts down upon the booklet a lot of the times because I'm not sure if it's worth it, if it's worth my time. Um, I'm a very busy woman, so the time frames are not always correct and I don't trust games, basically. So (laughs) we're going to use this podcast to motivate us to play some of the 50 games that we have sitting on our shelf um, and do something together. And then uh, Philip will describe the games to you and how they work, and I will tell you if they're good for non-gamers specifically. (laughs) (laughs) All right. um, The first game that we tried for this podcast... Um, I had played once before, it was new to Nina, um, and it is Above and Below. Uh, Above and Below is an adventure-slash-city-builder game released in 2015. It was published by Red Raven Games, and as is the case with most of the games from Red Raven, Ryan Lockett is both the designer and the artist. Uh, it supports two to four players and plays in about 90 minutes. Um, In Above and Below, you control refugees that have just fled their previous village, which was ransacked by barbarians. They're attempting to rebuild above a cave system that they've just recently discovered. You'll take actions to recruit new villagers, construct new buildings, and explore the caves, which is pretty much the main hook of Above and Below, hence the name. Uh, When you explore, one of the other players will read a randomized encounter from the list of about 200 or so. You'll get a bit of flavor text and then a couple of prompts, and then depending on how you roll, you might be given something that'll help or hurt your efforts. Uh, Beyond that, you also can open up slots where you can construct buildings underground, and the cave buildings are generally better than the normal above-ground ones, which you can freely build, assuming you can afford them. Uh, Ultimately, you want to amass victory points by accumulating goods, improving your reputation with the residents of the caves while exploring and constructing the best village. Uh, The game goes on for about seven rounds, and the player with the most victory points wins. Which will not be me. So I actually set this game up this time um, because Philip was on bedtime duty with our oldest daughter, so I was the free one to set up. Um, And I will say, I actually, one part of games that I do like is actually setting them up for some reason. Um, The organization of it makes me kind of happy, and I like organizing the games afterward. (laughs) Um, It's the middle part that's hard. but. I will say that the setup and reading the instructions took about 30 minutes for me when I had not played this game before and I'm not, you know, super familiar with setting up games. Um, The play actually was pretty close to 90 minutes, so I think that part was fairly accurate if you already know how to play. On this type of game, as I was setting it up and reading the instructions, and, and I will also say reading the instructions out loud myself does help me focus on the game. If someone else is reading it to me, I am lost and I will never find where I am or you know I'll just have to ask the same question over and over again and they'll have to keep going back and reading it again as I was setting it up and kind of reading the instructions I realized this this is the kind of game where I 
fall behind very quickly because I don't really know what I'm supposed to do. And by the time I figure that out, how, how I get points, it's too late to catch up. And I would say that's probably the case for most people playing a game like this and that these games are well served by playing them more than once. But yeah. Yes. Um, that's what Philip would say. <laughs> um, I will say that at one point, Philip gave me some hints that <laughs> helped me figure out something that I could do to get some more points that I didn't see and um, did get me a little bit closer. And also, I did want to point out that um, the thing I did the best at was building a reputation, which is because I am cool. Philip is nodding because he agrees. Um, our our final score was I had 35 points and Philip had 38 points. So I did lose, but not by a lot, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> which is great. <laughs> but the, but see, okay, so so Philip says the more you play it, the better you get. But I feel like the more I play these kinds of games, if I'm playing it with the same people, the better they get. But I continue to just be lost, and so then like like this is probably the closest my score would be would be if we played it again. <laughs> I would just lose by more. <laughs> I just don't know how many games you've played multiple times. <laughs> Fair. That is true, but I also don't have a very good memory, so that plays into it some too, probably. Um, so what did you like about it? Yeah, um, I, I like the theme, and um, as with all the Ryan Locking games that I've played, which I guess is just two of them, uh, this one and Islebound, really like the art, um, really bright colors, just a kind of soft appearance overall, just... I don't know. Yeah, art makes me happy. Yeah, and um, there seems to be kind of a shared world, a uh, larger universe, I guess, between uh, Above and Below and Islebound, as well as another game which I haven't played called Near and Far, which is kind of the sequel to Above and Below. So that's pretty cool, too. So if you like one, you'll probably enjoy the, the others. Um, I think that the length was right about where it should be and that it wasn't too short, where I didn't feel kind of cut off but it didn't overstay its welcome. Um, it goes on for seven rounds, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And that that comes right about where it should. Um, you're just kind of reaching kind of the culmination of what you are going to try to do and you know, any further than that, and you would just be kind of amassing points and it wouldn't really be that interesting, I don't think. Um, and of course the main hook of the game, the exploration, and I really enjoy that, uh, the randomness and the, the world building that that gives the game is really good. Yeah. The, the exploration part was really my favorite part. The, um, going into the caves and then reading from the little exploration book, uh, little stories. I really like those little storytelling elements that just really added some fun flavor Um, And I definitely did more exploring than I probably needed to just to get to some of those stories. Um, And also, you know, sometimes you get some cool stuff out of it. Um, But I did enjoy that part. I like, I'm a librarian and I like to read out loud. (laughs) So that part was fun for me. And also Philip did a voice too. So that was extra fun. (laughs) Yeah, that was probably my favorite part. Um, But yeah, and I also like the art. I'm trying to think what else. I think pretty, pretty good decisions that you have to make. Um, not 
not too many, not too few. Uh, you know, you, you're limited. It's kind of how many actions you can take is limited by how many villagers you have, but how many villagers you can really support is limited by how many beds you have in your village. So th there's kind of a chain of things that you have to decide and really build things up to where you can do uh, well at the, the latter rounds. The chains are what I'm bad at. Games with chains of things you have to do. <laughs> Called engine building, which Called... isn't really what this game is, but... Um... The other thing we, we talked about was, you know, it is it is competitive, obviously, but you're not really interacting that much um, with each yeah. other. Yeah, this is, game's kind of a, a little bit of a multiplayer solitaire, as the term is, um, meaning that, like, what I do, what decisions I make doesn't really affect the options that the other player has with a few limitations, um, or rather a few exceptions there's a limited number of buildings that you can choose from. So if I build one that you're planning on building on your next action, then that's something that you have to adapt to. There's, there is a mechanic that we didn't use at all where you can try to sell one of the goods that you've harvested. And, uh, I, I don't see that coming into play very much with just two players, but, uh, we didn't use it in any case. Yeah. I'm, I'm anti-trade <laughs> in in games. I don't like to have to barter with people. I, I, I guess I kind of like games where you're competing but mostly playing by yourself because I'm bad at interactions and usually um, those interactions usually go poorly for me if it's competitive. So I actually don't mind uh, the less interactiveness, I guess, of it. Yeah, we definitely didn't use the trading and I probably wouldn't use it even if other people were using it that I was playing with. <laughs> because I wouldn't understand why I was supposed to do it. After one play. Yeah. After one play, and probably more than that. But I did think it was good for two players. What did you think? Did you like playing with two players? Yeah, I think two was fine. Um, I I could see the game being maybe slightly a little bit better with three players. I think four would, if four players, it might go on a bit long, um, just because you're waiting on two more people to make their decisions. Um, and also, I don't think it would gain anything from four people just because, uh, like I said, the decisions that other people are making aren't affecting what you have to do too much. Although I guess there will be, you know, buildings will go out that much faster with four people. So it'd be different. Um, but in any case, I don't think it really suffers with two. Yeah, and... Um... For the foreseeable future, we will be playing two-player games since we're not really hanging out in person with anyone right now. Um, luckily, we do have a pretty good stock of two-player stuff on our shelves that we can yep. go through that we have not played yet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that have been sitting there, some uh, in their saran wrap <laughs> for quite a while. But for this one, um, it was pretty fun. I do think it was it was worth the time. Um, one thing I will say that I wasn't a fan of was that you had to pay a coin to refresh those buildings that you can buy. So there's a, you know, there's a limited amount that are out and then there's the stack that you use to refresh them and you have to pay a coin to pull more out. And, um, I was not willing to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I told her that's a fairly common mechanic in games like this because it's just a one more decision space where the person has to weigh whether it's worth it to them to get more options when it's their opportunity to build things because you can pay the one gold without actually taking an action. You, the only cost is the one gold. 
and so you kind of decide if it's worth it to you or if you want to risk uh, someone else having the opportunity and getting a good building that you didn't get to choose. And I was willing to take that risk. But I also just always had less gold because I wasn't good at getting goods to increase my allowance. So for our rating system, unless is there anything else you wanted to say before we move to that? Um, for our rating system, we are... Uh, kind of stealing it from another podcast um called the weekly planet which uh, they they talk about movies but we're gonna steal their best and worst ever rating system so we're gonna go with either best game ever or worst game ever for every game that we do and part of this is um that we just like the duality of it and the fact that you can't be neutral i mean you know obviously it's gonna either lean one way or the other and so that's the way we'll go it's not it's not like if we say worst game ever, it's actually just garbage, but um, we're just going to kind of go one way or the other, and it just prevents us from putting everything in the middle. So um, for me, for this game, Above and Below, I would say that it was the best game ever because I would be willing to play it again, depending on who we played with. <laughs> <laughs> but I would play it again, so I'm going to go best game ever. Um, I'll pretty much say the same um, with some caveats and, or rather explaining my thinking. Um, so Weekly Planet, definitely recommended podcast that we both really enjoy. Um, they kind of do the whole best worst ever thing as kind of a joke because there is no nuance on the internet. Um, but as far as why I would say best game ever for this one, there's a few things that I look at. Like I said, player interaction is pretty low. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, if I had the option, I would want a little bit more. But apart from that, I think the game has a pretty good amount of replayability. So there is a reason to play it again. Um, things like improving how well you do, uh, learning the game, you know, getting some enjoyment from that, from just doing better than you did the previous time. Some things that you didn't see the pre last time, which would obviously the main thing would be the different explorer things. Um, since there's about 200 or so i could see that lasting at least like five or six plays or so depending on how many players there are um the components are something to look at and for this one they're really nothing special it's pretty much just all cardboard but the artwork again is good and the cardboard's not flimsy or anything so it's not like they're cheap it's just pretty standard and just the overall how fun it was which is kind of hard to um classify but i enjoyed it so uh yeah i think i would i would definitely play it again especially because it's not that long i i could see, see it actually going a lot faster than 90 minutes for two people who've played it before as well that is true so yes overall we would recommend above and below for gamers and non-gamers alike <laughs> i want at least one gamer though <laughs> Okay. Maybe. I don't know. So each week we're going to do a, a little bit of a, a bonus segment. Um, we have two kids, and uh, one of them is six, and one of them is two. And uh, our six-year-old we've been playing games with since she was about two. So we have uh, quite a collection of kind of kids and family-friendly games. So we wanted to do a little bit of a bonus segment just on uh, some kids' games. So if there's anyone else out there that has kids and you are or are not into games <laughs> we're gonna tell you about some that we like or don't like <laughs> and why so the first one uh, we're gonna talk about this week is um called 
what's it called? First uh, Orchard. Called, yeah. <laughs> I have it written down here. First Orchard, and it's by Haba, and it's uh, basically this, there's some uh, baskets, there's a little sidewalk, and there's a die. It's a die, right? Not a spinner. Mm-hmm. It's a die. Um, and you roll the die to see kind of which fruit you get to put in your basket. There's four of each kind of four of four different kinds of fruit and you have to get them all in your basket before the raven gets down the sidewalk and basically the raven is on one side of the die so if you roll the raven he gets to go a space it's a cooperative game which is part of the reason uh, we were excited about it when we got it because uh, our oldest daughter was about two maybe almost three when we got it and uh, she was a difficult toddler (laughs) and so the fact that we could play cooperatively and not have to let her win (laughs) every time to avoid a meltdown was really nice do you have anything to say about it yeah um from what i've seen most of the hobbit or if not all of the hobbit games would probably be pretty solid recommendations for this sort of thing uh younger kids and i'm sure they have games that go to older children that we don't yet have experience with but um yeah, the my first orchard um, really appeals to the two three year olds. Um, the the fruit is really good, chunky pieces of wood that's bright colors and whatnot that just really fits well in their hands that they like picking up. And the raven's cute. And I, I remember our daughter wanting to let the raven win. Yeah, I was <laughs> so. gonna say the raven is so cute that uh, she she even was happy when the raven won. And if the raven didn't win, uh, we had to share our fruit with the raven anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, our two-year-old's not quite to the point of of games, but um, the six-year-old definitely loved that one. We don't play it as much now, but we probably will once the the younger one gets a little gets a little closer to game age. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they do. The pieces are super nice, like Philip said. So that is our uh, our bonus segment for this week, and we do recommend that one, My First Orchard. It's pretty fun, and that will do it for us for. For this week. Is there anything else you want to add, Philip? I cannot think of anything. (laughs) Okay, cool. Um, We're going to figure out an outro, but we didn't yet, so we don't have it right now. (laughs) So for right now, we will see you next time. Keep playing. Bye. Keep playing. (laughs) I'm going to keep that in right there. No. Keep this in.